Father, in the name of Jesus, we bring before you this one request, uh, wanting uh, to pray for healing in their bodies, uh, struggling with health issues. We pray that you would bring healing to them, whoever it was, Lord. And we pray, Father, for David's friends and co-workers as he is ministering to them, sharing the gospel with them. They see the light of Christ in him. They see something in him that is appealing, Lord God, to their spirit. And I pray that you will help him to be an effective minister right there where he works, Lord God, to all these individuals that need you so desperately. And, Father, we pray for every individual in this room right now that has a need, that is going through any kind of a crisis or a situation, Lord God, that uh, is intimidating them or scaring them or uh, they feel overwhelmed by it. We pray for those that are listening online right now. Perhaps, Lord God, they're depressed or discouraged or frustrated. Maybe they're struggling with anger and bitterness and hatred and and a a sense of revenge. Maybe they've they've been hurt, Lord God, uh, by someone or, or taken advantage by someone. And we pray, Lord God, that you would Speak to them and minister to them and touch them and bring peace to their tormented minds and hearts, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we just pray and we cry out to you on behalf of all of our needs, all of our struggles, all of our issues. In Jesus' name we ask this and everyone said, Amen. Very good. Okay, we're going to conclude the book of Colossians here tonight. This will be our final teaching in the book of Colossians as we started this uh, book from chapter 1, verse 1. And so let's go to the book of Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18, as we bring this uh, book of Colossians to a close. Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18, and the Bible says this. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. So again, today we're going to be concluding this book of Colossians. And uh, we're concluding by simply bringing up Paul's ministry team members. We've been bringing these up for the past few weeks. For those of you that have been with us uh, looking at the book of Colossians, who are these ministry team members? Well, beginning in verse 7, which we read tonight, Paul gives us a description of them. He says, he mentions Tychicus, he mentions Onesimus, he mentions Aristarchus, he mentions Mark and Barnabas, he mentions Jesus, who is called Justice, Epaphras, Luke, and two weeks ago we looked at the life of Demas. Uh, I say two weeks ago because last Wednesday, our brother, Pastor um, 
Chuck Turner was kind enough to fill in for me because uh, Julie and I took some days off, which we really needed, which we really appreciated. Uh, and thank you, Pastor Chuck, if you're listening. We appreciate your ministry, and I hope all of you were blessed by that. But a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Demas. And in Colossians 4.14, it says, Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. And what did we learn about Demas? Demas is, Demon, Demas is mentioned in Colossians 4.14, and he's also mentioned in two other places, Philemon 1.24 and in 2 Timothy 4.10. At this point, when the Apostle Paul mentions Demas, Demas is a faithful minister, a faithful member of the ministry team. He's, uh, he's, he's right there. He's, he's part of the, of the partnership. But as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, the sad thing about Demas is that he began as a faithful minister, a companion, and a supporter, and dedicated follower of Jesus Christ. But then later, something happens. The Bible doesn't say what exactly happens, but he turned his back on the ministry, on the team, on the Lord. Second Timothy 4, verses 9 and 10 says this, Do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Okay, so what does verse 10 say? It says, For Demas, because he loved this world world has deserted me how what what that means loving the world is very very broad the world is made up of all kinds of stuff i don't know if he went back to drugs i don't know if he went back to alcohol i don't know if he went back to partying we don't know if we went back to, if he fell in love with some secular chick out there we don't know or maybe uh he somebody offered him a lot of money and remember money is not the root of all evil the love of money is the root of all evil. Maybe he got proposition. Who knows? But the Bible specifically says that he turned his back on God, on the ministry, and he went back into the world. He loved the world, the Bible says. So Demas started off as a faithful man of God and serving the Lord, and in the end, sadly, he fizzled out. You know, it's a very sad thing, as we mentioned before, when we hear of men and women of God who begin their journey and ministry with Christ so faithfully, so strong, so passionately, but in the end, for many different reasons, they give up or they get distracted or they lose interest or they straight up rebel or they get hurt or they quit. I mean, I can go on and on giving you all kinds of reasons why people turn their back on God, why they get bitter, why they stop going to church, why they stop being so faithful to the Lord. We can go on and on about how the enemy can seduce us in many different ways and and, uh, and, and we have to guard our hearts against that. How many of you understand what I'm saying? We have to really guard our hearts because it can happen to any of us. I've seen it happen to powerful leaders in the church. We have to guard our hearts. And we read the parable of the sower because here Jesus specifically tells us that there will be those who start off well, but then for different reasons, they begin to fall away. Let me read it again. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9, the Bible says this. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. While all the people stood on the shore, then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. 
Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Then Jesus gives us the interpretation in Matthew chapter 13, verses 18 through 23. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears a message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is a seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. This is why those of you that are here tonight, praise God, because all you're doing is you're safeguarding your relationship with Jesus Christ by taking the time out of your busy schedules to come into the house of the Lord and to worship God, to praise God, to surrender to God, to get your mind right, to get your, your heart right, to get your life right, to, to, to reconnect yourself to the reality of who Jesus is. Can you say amen, church? We got to take care of ourselves, church. We really do. We're living in very evil days and the enemy is very seductive sadly for demas he chose to turn his back on the ministry now let's move on forward and look at the next individuals that are mentioned by the apostle paul here as members of his ministry team if we go to colossians chapter 4 verses 14 and 15 let's read on it says this our dear friend luke the doctor and demas send greetings verse 15 give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at laodicea and to nympha and the church in her house. Now here the Bible mentions someone by the name of Nympha. Unfortunately, this is the only place in the whole Bible that Nympha's name is mentioned. All we know is that Nympha is a woman and that Nympha lives in the city of Laodicea, not Colossae, but the city of Laodicea, and that Nympha held church services in her house. That's all that we know about Nympha. So let's go back to our text for tonight and go on. It says here, Colossians 4, 15 and 16, give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. So let's quickly remind ourselves that this letter to the Colossians was actually read not only by those in the city of Colossae, which is what it's addressed to, letter to the Colossians, but also by Christians who lived in Laodicea and Hierapolis. How do we know this? Because of what it says in Colossians chapter 4, verse 13. It says this, I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. So uh, now, Josh, Julie, are we able to show anything on video in terms of the map? Okay, so I just wanted to show this map just as a refresher of the location of the church of Colossae, the location of the church at Laodicea, and the location of the church at Hierapolis. These three churches are actually located in the nation of what is today the nation of Turkey. 
But in the days of the Apostle Paul, this area of Turkey was called Asia. So let's take a look at these maps just as a reminder of where we have the church at Colossae, Laodicea. So in this map here, this is the nation of Turkey. We have Colossae right here. We have Laodicea here and Herop, uh, Heropolis right there, all three. This is this, and if we can show the next map, please, just as a quick reference, okay? This same area in the nation of Turkey, again, we see Colossae, Laodicea, and Heropolis. Those green dots represent the cities or the churches that are mentioned in the book of Revelation, the seven churches in the book of Revelation, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. They're all located in that same area, the nation of Turkey, which at that time was, the na- was called Asia. Okay? So now, as a, that was just a quick reference. Let's go back to our, our, our main text for tonight, Colossians chapter 4, verses 15 through 17. And we're going to get into the main part of the message now. It says here in verses 15 through 17. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. Here in verse 17, the Apostle Paul mentions the last person on his ministry team, and his name is Archippus. And notice that he writes these words before Demas had betrayed him or turned his back on him, before Demas forsook him. These are the words that he writes to a young man by the name of Archippus. Okay? The only other place that we find Archippus is mentioned in Philemon chapter 1, verse 2, Philemon 1, 2, and it says this, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. I'm so tempted just to call him Archie, okay? But it's Archippus, all right. So if we go back to Colossians 4.17, the Apostle Paul writes some very important words or instructions to Archippus or Archie, as I want to call him right now. And I believe that these words can be applied to all of us who are Christians. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says to Archippus. He says, see to it, these are powerful words, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. Man, I don't know about you, but I think that these are very powerful words that the Apostle Paul is giving us here. Now, I actually like the way it reads in the New King James Version. In the New King James Version of the Bible, it says it like this. It says, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. Whenever we see those words, take heed, in the Bible, we really need to pay attention. That's like saying, really pay attention to this. Really grab a hold of this. Take whatever it is referring to very seriously. Take heed means to give special attention to. Grab onto it and don't let go. Take this very seriously and don't mess around with it or play around with it or take it lightly or or don't take it for granted. Don't get lazy with it or get careless with it. Be warned and guard it and protect it with all your might and with all your heart. And what is it that we need to take heed of? The ministry. The ministry is very important. Are you guys understanding what I'm saying here? What we're doing here right now, 
is very, very important to God, and it should be important to you and me. If you are ushering, the Holy Spirit is saying to you, take your ushering job very seriously. Guard it. You who are part of the safety team and checking people in and screening people, take your job very seriously. Take heed of the ministry which you have received in the Lord. In the Lord. Everybody say, in the Lord. Whatever you're doing, it's in the Lord. God gave it to you. You received it from Jesus Christ as a gift, as a responsibility. You who are on the sound team or the overhead team or the online team, take what you're doing very seriously and don't be messing around with it. You who are part of the worship team, if you play the piano, if you play the guitar, if you play the drums, if you play the bass, if you sing, take it seriously. The Bible says, take heed to the ministry which you have received from Jesus in the Lord. Take care of it. Protect it. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever received a special gift from a special person which makes that gift something that is very treasured and very valuable to you. Those of you that have watched the movie Braveheart, okay, how many of you have watched that movie Braveheart? It's one of my favorite movies. It's a really good movie, okay? In that movie, there's a scene where uh, Mel Gibson is a little boy, okay, and his dad had gotten murdered or killed in a battle, and they had his funeral service. And at that funeral service, Mel Gibson is a little boy, okay? It's not really Mel Gibson. It's some actor that's a little boy playing Mel Gibson as he was with the little boy, right? And there was a pretty little girl that handed the little boy, it was like a little daisy, kind of like a flowery petal thing. You guys remember that little scene right there? Or that romantic scene where that little girl gives Mel Gibson, who's a little boy, that flower, that very delicate flower. Remember that? Okay. And what's really cool about that is that later on in the movie, when Mal Gibson is now a grown man and he goes back into this village where he grew up, he hooks up with that same little girl who is also now grown up and a young lady now and very beautiful. And he had loved this young lady, this little girl from, from the time they were little kids. He never lost that love. And when they hooked up and they began to date and fall in love with each other, one of the things that he does is he presents her with that same flower, Daisy, He had saved it. He had treasured it. He had protected it. It was of tremendous value to him. How many of you understand what I'm saying? And because it had so much value, he did everything that he could, as delicate as it was, to protect it, to treasure it, and to guard it. Well, guess what, church? If God has given you the privilege of being able to do something for him, then church, you better take care of it just like Mel Gibson took care of that little flower. You need to guard it and protect it and treasure it and not take it for granted. That's why the Bible says here, okay, take heed to the ministry which you have received from the Lord. If it's from the Lord, that means, man, we better take care of it. That is something very special. And this goes back to those scriptures that tell us that everything we do is really unto God. It says in the book of Colossians 3.17, it says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, 
Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. That means, man, when you go, when you go to work, you go to work as if you're working for Jesus and you treasure that. When you go home, you thank God that you have a home to go to. When you get in your car, you thank God that you have a car to drive. When you get paid, you thank God that you got paid some money. And when you go to the supermarket, you thank God that you can buy some food. Whatever comes into your hands, take time to give thanks to God because it's a gift that he gives you. And you need to treasure it and protect it and guard it and appreciate it. And it's especially even more important if it's ministry-oriented. 1 Corinthians 10.31 So so whenever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Isn't God a good God, church? Isn't he good to us? I mean, we got to just appreciate we got to just stop and appreciate how God good is to us. Even though we are such rebels sometimes. We are so brat, bratty sometimes. And yet God is still so good to us. He gives us another picture or example of this in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. It says this. Again. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To, get, to one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. Listen, if somebody has a little bit more than you, don't get jealous. Don't get envious. Don't be tripping. You just do what you can do with what God gives you. Okay, if God gives somebody else more, let them worry about that. You just worry about whatever God gives you. Don't be tripping on anybody else. Verse 17. So also the money. uh, So I'm going to start at verse 16. The man. I'm all mixed up here. I'm going to start at verse 15. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more, five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. In other words, do your best with what God gives you. And if you do your best with what God gives you, you know what? He's going to give you more. Just do your best. Verse 22. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. 
Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw the worthless servant outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So God gives, so if God gives you five bags of gold, take it seriously. If God gives you two bags of gold, take it seriously. If he gives you one bag of gold, take it seriously. Your ministry, your assignment given you by God is much more, is of much more value, more precious than gold or silver or diamonds. What you do for God is to be treasured. It is to be appreciated. It is to be guarded. It is to be protected. It is to be loved. It is to be cherished. And it is considered a privilege. If you're ushering, consider it a privilege. If you're working the sound system, consider it a privilege. If you're out here do, do, uh, doing uh, an instrument thing, consider whatever you're doing, even if it's taking out the trash, consider it a privilege that you are doing it for God. If we go back to our text in Colossians 4, 17, it says, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. That second part is also very important, that you may fulfill it. It says in the NIV that you may complete it. In the Good News Translation, it says, be sure to finish it. In the New Living Translation, it says, be sure to carry it out. In other words, if you're going to start something for God, make sure you finish it. He gives us his word. He says, he who began a good work in you will do what? He is going to be faithful and he will complete it. I mean, man, if you want God on your case, if you want God on your back, stop doing what you're doing and you're going to be bothered by God because he's not going to let you rest. He's not going to leave you alone. He says, buddy, I chose you. I picked you. I selected you to do this. And now you want to turn your, now you want to, you want to do what? You want to just sleep in? God's not going to let you get away with that. He's going to pursue you and he's going to come after you in his own way. Some of us need to be come after hard. Some of us need to come after very gently and kindly and lovingly, but he's going to come after us because you know what? He says, I began a good work in you and I want you to finish it. I want you to finish it. You may not be as popular as that other guy. You may not be as, as gifted as the other guy. I don't care. I gave you a job to do for you, and I want you to complete it. Don't be comparing yourself. Don't be having an attitude. Don't be trying to say you're not as effective. Don't be tripping out on that. You just do what I tell you to do because what I tell you to do is important to me as your God. It may not seem like it's important to anybody else, but it's important to God. You be at your post, and you do what God told you to do. Make sure you finish it. Make sure you don't give up or quit. Don't be hitting and missing or just coming when you feel like it or when it's convenient or only here if nothing else is imp that's important going on. No, when you start something with God and for God, stay faithful to it until the end. 
If you take your job seriously enough and you make sure that you show up to work and, and when you're told to, then you need to do the same thing for the Lord. How can you consider your job or your, or your boss more important than God? If you take your job that seriously, then take God seriously. Honor the Lord with a ministry assignment and take heed and take it very seriously. Stay faithful to it and complete it. Don't be a wimpy Christian. Don't be a lazy worker. Don't be an irresponsible soldier. Don't be a crybaby servant or have a bad attitude when you're doing something for the Lord. And please don't become proud or cocky or arrogant or think that you're some kind of a big shot or that you should somehow have special privileges when it comes to serving the Lord because that is one thing that grieves the heart of God. We are all his servants. And he's given us all an assignment. And he wants us to be faithful to it, to guard it, to protect it, to appreciate it, and to finish it. Let me read again Colossians 4.17 and say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. Powerful words. Fulfill it. Don't be like Demas who was a quitter. Don't be like that example in the parable of the sower when things got hard and, 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 and persecution came. He gave up. Or, or, or when, uh, when he started making a lot of money or the things of the world and, and he started getting blessed and started having, getting promotions and getting recognition. And then all of a sudden, they forgot where they came from and what God brought them out of. And they forget God. Don't be like that. And finally, to conclude... The book of Colossians in verse 18, it says, in Colossians chapter 4, verse 18, it says, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. So Paul is letting us know that he personally wrote this letter himself to the church at Colossae and to all of us under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And remember, he's reminding them, please pray for him because he is confined to prison. He is in chains. He's, he's locked up. He can't do anything. So he's relying on his ministry team to be his hands and his feet and his mouth and the people that he's sending out there to do the job of the evangelist, to, be, to do the job of making sure that the churches are, are, are being tended to. And he blesses them with grace. How many of you know We all need grace. Can you say amen? We all need grace. If we're going to be able to make it in this life as Christians, we need the grace of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we conclude this letter to the Colossians here tonight, Lord, we want to thank you for the faithfulness of the Apostle Paul. We want to thank you for this letter, and we want to thank you for the things that apply to us here today. Help us, Lord God, that are Christians, to take what you have given us very seriously to protect it, our jobs, our spouses, our children, our homes, our, 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 our salaries, our cars, our material possessions, our, our ministry responsibilities at church. What a privilege it is, Lord, that you have selected us to do certain things for you. What a privilege. What a blessing. I, I couldn't help but to Just think about uh, my brother Richard and, and when he gets together with Gilbert and Roy and some of the other brothers. And I know Richard, Richard takes his wife Kathy out there and some of the, and I've seen Ann Gaynor out there. Lord, when they're out there in the streets, reaching lost souls, Lord God. 
And I thank you that they are being faithful to what you have called them to do. I thank you for Tony and for Evelyn and, and Lawrence and, and Francis who, who clean the church, Lord. Nobody ever sees them. Nobody sees what they're doing, but you see them. And I thank you, Lord, for their ministry and their faithfulness. I thank you, God, that before every service, early before every service, the online service team comes in here, Lord, led by my wife, Julie, and, and Josh, and, and the worship team, Lord God. They, cut, they get here early. Nobody sees. Nobody knows. Nobody pays attention. Nobody appreciates it. But they, they make that sacrifice, Lord, to get here extra early to get everything set up, to make sure that everything's working, to open up the doors and to make sure that everything's intact and to make sure that we get blessed with powerful worship and powerful praise, Lord. I thank you for those that are working with our kids, Lord, through our children's church program. Even during this pandemic, Lord God, with the work that my daughter Jamie is doing and the work that Diane Tapia is doing, Lord God, and the work that these, these people are doing with our kids. And ministering to them every single week, Lord. Nobody knows about it. Nobody hears about it. But you see it, Lord. Help us to take these things seriously, God. To protect them. And to stay faithful to them until you take us home. If you're here tonight and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I have never surrendered my life to Jesus. And I want to do that here tonight. I am not a Christian and I want to surrender my life to the Lord. Just lift up your hand and we will pray. Anyone at all? I see one hand here tonight. Okay, I see another hand. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Just, and those of you that are online listening, if you feel a tug of the Holy Spirit on your heart right now and you feel that you want to commit yourself to Jesus, just say this prayer with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I surrender my life into your hands I willingly open the door to my heart and I ask you Jesus to come in take over my life I thank you Jesus that you died on the cross for me forgive me of all my sins in Jesus name I pray Amen if you said that prayer here tonight, I want you to know that you belong to Jesus now. Hallelujah. Let's give praise to our God here tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now I just want to pray for all of you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for all my brothers and sisters here that are here tonight. I thank you that they're here tonight, Lord. I thank you that you brought us together once again in the house of God. And I pray, Lord God, that you will help us to be faithful to the end, no matter how tough it gets, no matter how, what temptation comes our way, no matter how crazy the world gets, Lord God. Help us to stay faithful. Help us to appreciate what you've done for us, what you've pulled us out of, that we were on our way to hell and now we're on our way to heaven. Thank you for the wonderful blessings that you give us on a daily basis. And help us, Lord God, to appreciate and to protect those things that we do for you when it involves ministry. In Jesus' name we pray. And Everyone said, amen. God bless your church. Thank you so much for coming out. And I pray that you guys are blessed.